the reality is you cannot recruit your way into diversity. Hi, I'm Emily Bonney, the CEO of the Investment Banking Institute, and you are listening to the Hurdle Rate Podcast. The Hurdle Rate Podcast is an opportunity to engage in important and enlightening conversations with women in finance, tech, and business. The podcast aims to elevate and empower women in this space, bringing voice to the stories behind their successes. The nature of work is changing, which means the landscape of talent recruiting and training must evolve with it. On this episode, I am joined by Kim Benedict, who is the CEO and co-founder of Talent Minded Inc. and the co-founder of Women in Tech Sales Bootcamp. Talent Minded is revolutionizing the recruiting industry by introducing Talent Acquisition as a Service, a groundbreaking subscription-based managed recruiting solution capable of scaling on demand and facilitating hiring processes worldwide. With Women in Tech Sales Bootcamp, Kim is addressing the gender gap in tech sales. Similar to the world of finance, less than 20% of tech sales positions are held by women, even less for women of color. Women in Tech Sales Bootcamp is an industry-vetted training program that helps match women who want to pursue or advance their skills in tech sales with leading organizations looking to tap into a diverse, sales-ready talent pool. Kim, welcome to The Hurdle Rate. Thanks, Emily. Great to be here. And I have to say, I just love it. I love the work that you are doing. You are on a moving train, really a train that you got rolling, and I'm excited to jump on board. So first, explain to me Talent Minded and what the business does. Yeah, thank you. Actually, Emily, I usually say that I'm jumping off a cliff and building a plane on the way down <laughs> as opposed to a train, but I love it. Uh, so as you mentioned, Talent Minded, we are the first subscription-based full-service recruiting solution company in Canada, possibly North America. And it really started myself and my co-founder having worked in the recruitment business for over 20 years and just not seeing a lot of innovation or evolution or revolution in the recruiting landscape and just knowing that there had to be a better way. And so that was really how Talent Minded was born. And I understand that Talent Minded has recently been named a top talent management services provider in Canada in 2023, a big award there. Um, what do you credit some of the successes in the business to? Uh, thank you for recognizing and mentioning that um, I think that, you know, that is, you know, the, the trust and support that we have received over the last nine years, building talent minded, like from our employees, our customers, um, and all of our, our brand champions and people who have supported us along the way. Um, but more importantly, I think we are um, so laser focused on, uh, on, on really helping develop more modern and innovative ways of looking at recruitment. I firmly believe, and this was part of how the Women in Tech Sales Bootcamp was also born, which I know we're going to talk about, but I firmly believe that in most organizations, their recruitment and hiring processes haven't really changed much over the last 10, 
sometimes probably longer years, right? They're still doing things the same way that we were doing them, um, you know, in, in the 90s. And, uh, and that's, that doesn't cut it, right? And, and a lot of the, those processes are, are broken and organizations are, are struggling to find the right people and, uh, and do it in a diverse and, um, and, and unbiased way and so I really think that that's a recognition, that award on the work that we are doing to help companies evolve and modernize their recruiting practices in order to hire the right people and grow and thrive as organizations. I think we all understand that the sort of um, hiring process, the recruiting process is a different landscape than it was. And as you mentioned, these processes need to change in order to address the marketplace as it is now versus, you know, what it was 10, 15, 20 years ago. And we are going to get to more about talent recruiting, what you see in terms of trends and all of that, and more about women in tech sales bootcamp. But before we get to all of that, I'm interested, Kim, how did you get your start what what's your story i think i've always had an entrepreneurial spirit but um you know i sort of fell into recruitment like a lot of people do um it isn't a, a career that you go to school for or, or often chosen career path um fell in love with the the aspects of, of recruiting and, and hiring and uh and so i worked in a number of organizations um, that were trying to solve recruiting problems in different ways and in my last position, I'll be quite frank and honest on this on this uh, conversation. Um, my last position, uh, I spent eight years in a, a boutique recruiting services company, and we we were evolving. And and back in those days, it was considered very innovative, and there was a lot of different things that we were doing around recruitment outsourcing and um, contract recruiting. And uh, went through a, a recession there as well, and you know we were really trying to adapt quickly to the market and just kind of, you know, get through some of those like harder economic times. And the company, um, you know, it was one of the most incredible places to work and then it wasn't. And, uh, and so there were a lot of changes that were happening in the last couple of years that I was there and, uh, and things started to go sideways. And so I was actually exited from that organization. So um, I, that was my trigger. Um, and, and I guess the signal to me that, uh, you know, I had to, uh, if I wanted to make a difference, I, I had to go off and do my own thing. And it took me, it took me a little while to build up the confidence in order to, to do that. But with a lot of help from advisors and supporters and some real soul searching through that process, I decided to, you know, walk the talk and, and start my own business. And one ad piece of advice I always have for people is like kind of back to the jumping off a cliff in the plane is like, I, I just went in and, and did it and started working through things. And it took it took time to really evolve and understand sort of what the business was and what we were going to sell and, and the whole idea of a subscription like that. That didn't start day one. That was something that evolved over, um, you know, the first sort of 12 months of being in, in business. And so my advice to people, you know, if they are thinking about that, um, it doesn't have to be perfect to get something started. And you can iterate very quickly, especially when you're small. And, um, and so and you'll, you'll kind of land on a, on a great place, and it'll become more clear to you. But just, you know, my advice is like, get started, you, you won't have all the confidence that you think you need or want to have, um, you know, uh, it'll come to life. And Kim, that confidence component, I think that piece is probably going to come up later in the show, you know, as we talk about 
the recruiting sort of landscape, um, you know, of course, here at the Hurdle Rate, we want to talk specifically about women, women returning to work, and your organization, um, you know, addressing the the gender gap in tech sales. And as you were saying, that confidence to jump off the cliff and build the plane as you're you're jumping off. Um, we have a, an adage in the broadcasting world that goes, make air, not art. So like you said, just get started, get your hands dirty, get going um, and get something out there because getting it out can be equally as important as getting out there and being perfect. Um, we're going to talk about, you know, talent recruiting specifically. And, you know, you mentioned that there are, are things that you saw that the, the processes of recruiting weren't addressing in the marketplace. Employers were sort of doing the same thing they've always done, even as things are evolving outside of the recruiting business. Tell us about what you've noticed in terms of recruiting, hiring trends, and I think specifically when it comes to diversity. Like I said, here on the show, we like to talk about women in these spaces. So anything you notice about women, women returning to work, and what trends you're seeing there? So I, I'm going to start with the the easy one, and, and I hear people talk about it all the time, but I, I think it's important that we continue to, to bring, bring it forward uh, because it shows up every single day. I see it all the time. And that's just your, your simple job, your job ad, your job description, right? So um, there's a really old study that shows that women won't apply to a position unless they feel like they have 100% of all of the qualifications that are listed. And yet men will apply if they feel like they have 50% and they'll kind of just wing it. And so it, it shocks me to this day. And, and that's like, that's from like the seventies or something along those lines. Like it's a really old study, uh, but it, it really shocks me when you look at companies and they're still using that same old formula for job ads and they're listing all of the qualifications and you know everything in the kitchen sink and then you have to have an MBA on top of it. And, um, and so, you know, in talking to women and obviously understanding the recruitment process, it really is true that is happening when women are looking at your job ad and saying, I have everything except for this one bullet point, and therefore they are not applying. And that's for women at all stages of their career, um, not just early talent. And so um, that is a trend that continues for some reason. I, we have clients and organizations that have even removed all educational requirements. And one of the things that they kind of do the job ads is they actually list sort of the easy things that people generally have first, as opposed to the hardest things, right? Usually it's like all the years of experience you're required and the technology skills that you're required to have are at the beginning. So they help women kind of build up the confidence to apply, like just something as easy as reversing. Um, so I think, I think that's like the easy low hanging fruit for organizations is really taking a diverse lens on the, their job descriptions, the language that they use, even when you think about accessibility um, or neurodiversity, right? And how it, it, your, your target audience and that diverse talent pool that most organizations are trying to attract um, and tap into, um, think about how your job ad is impacting their decision to apply or not apply. Um, and are you be, being as accessible and as gender neutral uh, as, as you can possibly be as an organization. So I think that's an easy one. 
I think I think the 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 mass return to work is potentially going to have a negative impact on women and people of of different abilities as well, not just not just women. Um, but I do think like I don't have all the data, but I do believe that there is a potential that that could impact women and their ability to maybe um, apply for some of the positions or um, advance their careers um, because you know the dynamics have have changed and um, we're definitely seeing a trend that less and less roles um, are fully remote. Um, there's all this hybrid component. And so I do think if I had to make a prediction that that's going to have potentially a negative impact on women returning to work in general. Yeah, I, you got to two points that that I was thinking about, you know, as you're talking about the the way that the recruiting process, even the, the simple job description works, if and those who are recruiting look at the way they do that and they're thinking about diversity opening up so that women feel more confident. It can have a, a snowball effect and not just women, but other populations who are underrepresented may feel equally as confident to apply, um, you know, getting over that obstacle. And then you hit on a trend I was going to ask about, you know, if we were having this conversation a year or two years ago, this idea of remote work, people returning to work after career breaks for caregiving, um, you know, medical leave and things like that, there was a more accessible route for those. Um, and are you seeing with employers this real get back to the office? And how do you think that affects what's going to happen in terms of recruiting a diverse talent pool? I think companies are already starting to see that um, that. The number of applications is potentially declining, the quality of candidates perhaps, um, definitely, uh, you know, lack of women applying to certain positions and, you know, most organizations not really understanding why, um, why that may be the case. You know, I think one thing, you know, you talk about confidence and I hear this all the time, especially in sales recruitment. You know, you hear this feedback from hiring managers that say, like, I really like this person or I wanted to like this person, but they didn't really show show up with a lot of confidence in the interview. And um, one of the things that we we talk a lot about in boot camp um, and I, you know, talk to hiring managers about is like confidence is not a personality trait, right? It's It's not a characteristic. It's a habit, right? It's something that you build up. And so oftentimes, you know, if you think about the interview process and the recruitment process, and if you think about, you know, the lack of confidence that maybe women might have, just sort of specifically thinking about women, um, but as you say, it can extend to other underrepresented groups. Um, you know, if you go into the interview thinking like, you know, they didn't really have the confidence and that's what you're basing your decision on, that can be a lot of bias in that. Um, so that's that's just something to think about. Um, and I just wanted to touch on that. And the other thing is, I'm surprised that we do not see more returnships with organizations. And if you've never heard the term returnship, um, it's basically like an internship for people returning to work. And oftentimes they're targeted towards women. Maybe it's after, um, um, you know, stay at home, um, you know, raising children. It could be uh, taking care of an ill parent, uh, any type of uh, gap, you know, uh, in in their career, right, where they've had to like take a step back. Um, and so, a returnship can be, you know, three months, one month. It could be um, a potential to, uh, you know, extend to a full time 
uh, possibility, but it allows this like landing page for for women to return to work in a way that um, you know uh, is a, is an easier transition. Perhaps it allows them to build up some of that confidence in 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 upskilling. And so we built Talent Minded in the really early days on many women returning to work um, in a in a capacity either part time or, or full time. And uh, there was actually an article that was written about it. And I'm just surprised that we don't see more organizations and even tech organizations like tapping into that very rich skilled talent pool that um, you know would have a lot of value to you as an organization. Um, and especially when you're growing and scaling and you may not have all of the big hiring budgets that you need. Um, and then on the flip side, like enterprise wide organizations um, that have the internal training and support systems that could, you know, sustain a program like that. I'm just really shocked. And, and maybe that hopefully sparks some ideas for people around like innovative ways of, you know, improving their overall uh, hiring practices in a, a more diverse and kind of, um, you know, unique way. And Kim, you know, no surprise here, you know, uh, the Investment Banking Institute, you know, we're addressing that that same thing that returners to work through education and training and, and you're looking at innovative recruiting practices and getting those, those members of the talent pool back into the workforce. We hire returners ourselves at IBI. Because, you know, I see a set of skills, um, perspective, um, time management skills. I think when somebody decides to return to work, they're really dedicated and committed to that decision. They've thought it through. You can have the opportunity to have a, a, a member of your team longer because it is an entry level. So they're not necessarily looking to hop around to different spots earlier in their career. So your initial investment could actually um, work out well that you hire, set them through a returnship, perhaps you provide some training, and then they actually stay with you longer. And it turns out to be a good investment on all fronts. We are, you know, on, on that train or jumping off that cliff with you. And mm -hmm. I, you know, and I think it got to one of the, the questions that, that I was going to ask you, you know, first was going to be, you know, what aren't you seeing from employers that you, you wish you were seeing? And we've heard some of those points. But then also, what is it that you see from returners, not just necessarily caregiver returners like moms, but other individuals who come back to careers, either switching careers, coming back to careers they have experience in, took some time off. What value do you see in those recruits that perhaps the skills, the mindset, what makes them an attractive hire? Yeah, I, I, I love I love what you're doing, Emily. And one thing I'll add to to what you said there was that there are lots, there's a lot of data and statistics that show that women do stay longer, right? So from a retention perspective, like you say, from an ROI perspective. Um, so there's a lot of data and studies that suggest that women um, do, you can retain women longer. Um, and that, that, that obviously is a, another um, a benefit to programs like returnships and, and, you know, looking at more diverse hiring practices. Um, but one of the things that we're not seeing, and I think a lot of organizations are struggling with, even if they have good intentions, is that skills-based recruitment. So there is a bit of a trend happening um, where organizations are trying to, uh, you know, 
tried to adjust or adapt their recruiting processes such that they're more skills-based. So in that way, um, the trend is looking at more transferable skills. So to your point, that's that's those returners or um, a, people who are looking to maybe pivot, especially into technology. Like you may have 10 years of sales experience, but, you know, in hospitality or travel, but not necessarily in tech, and you're kind of getting the door slammed in your face. Um, and it can be a difficult, you know, pivot or transition to make. And so really, like from a candidate perspective, trying to focus on how do you package up those transferable skills in a way that, um, you know, you can obviously convince a potential hiring um, employer. Um, but on the other side is organizations are, um, it is a trend we're seeing, but organizations, it's, it's obviously a big shift uh, to look at more skills-based recruitment as opposed to coming with like 10 years of ex direct, you know, experience in a certain industry as an example. So we've got a long way to go, uh, but we're definitely seeing kind of those, the, that alignment um, and organizations trying to make the shift. And the one thing I'll, I will say uh, that I think maybe is important to note here is as much as obviously I'm all about talent acquisition and the hiring process and the impact that that can have on organizations, but the reality is you cannot recruit your way into diversity. What matters just as much, if not more, is the employee experience, right? So what happens afterwards? Because a lot of times, organizations are doing a better job at recruiting more diverse candidates, but then they're leaving within the first 12 months because the employee experience doesn't align. So that's maybe just a bit of a takeaway um, if you're trying to think about your recruitment processes. So, um, you know, it's obviously you have to have that holistic uh, view in those programs. And I know that, you know, that's something that, you know, that training and that development and uh, obviously like a safe environment um, for for people uh, for all people um, but it, it, you know you can't just recruit your way into diversity that's a great point Kim I think you know it's twofold if not threefold the recruitment process the employee experience and perhaps in that employee experience or separate from it is training development education um, you know continued support in an organization and it really is the perfect segue into, um, you know, the next thing I want to talk about, which is Women in Tech Sales Bootcamp. You are the founder of Women in Tech Sales Bootcamp. And you know, at IBI, this is what we believe in training education as a launching pad to help address things like the skills-based recruiting and address the confidence component. So tell me how Women in Tech Sales Bootcamp came to be. What's the mission? And what are you seeing from the work you're doing? So Women in Tech Sales Bootcamp was born actually, you know, obviously being in recruiting um, and, and growing and scaling my own business. Uh, I actually had interviewed a young woman who had just recently graduated from university and we were recruiting for Talent Minded um, because we were growing as a company. And during the interview, kind of halfway through, she said, I'm really interested in working at your company. She'd done all the research. Um, she said, I'll, I'll, I pretty much will do any job at Talent Minded except sales. And so that kind of took me back. And so I, I asked her, like, why would you why would you say that? Right. And she said, because I don't believe in selling people things that they don't need. And so I thought to myself, well, I'm, I've been in sales my entire career. My mother was in sales and uh, that's not what, that's not what sales is. That's not what we do. 
And so that was the aha moment uh, when I realized that this super smart young woman who just graduated from university, she wanted to be in, in HR, um, in human resources and eventually become a consultant. And my first thought was like, you, you're going to need those types of skills, you know, that you find in sales to influence people, to sell your ideas, like whatever the case might be. And on the flip side, obviously being in a recruiting solutions company, working with a lot of tech CEOs and fast growing startups and scale ups, you know, um, you know, these, these VPs and, and founders of organizations, uh, you know, understand the value of hiring more women um, and, and especially in sales specifically. And they're sort of like shouting from the rooftops, like I want to hire more women, but like I post a job and no women apply. Um, and therefore, like, what am I to do? Right. And so my thinking there is like, well, that's not good enough. Right. Like the, you have to try harder if you want to make change, if you want to something different to happen. So that's how it was born. So recognizing at that moment and then after that, doing some research um, and realizing, you know, even though I'd been in recruiting for over 20 years, like I had no idea the size of this problem that less than 20% of women, um, you know, held tech sales positions. And, uh, you know, if you think about, like you had mentioned at the beginning, Emily, like, you know, even less percent if you're thinking about women of color. And then when you look at leadership positions, like a lot of times we're losing women um, in that transition. So that's how boot camp was born. And I, I sort of have a, a, an idea in my head that if I like complain or rant about something for long enough, then I have to actually do something about it. And so I met a gentleman by the name of Rod Foster, and he was uh, running training programs in tech sales. Uh, and so it was just an incredible fusion of recruiting and training. And that's how boot camp was born. As far as the, the results, like our mission is obviously to help organizations tap into this, you know, talent pool um, of, of women who are driven uh, to pursue tech sales and, and connect them in a way that drives results. And, you know, fast forward four and a half years later, we've run 27 boot camps. We've trained over 430 women and on average, um, 70 to 80 percent of our participants get at least one job offer within the first 30 days of graduating. Um, so we have seen real tangible results. Um, we work with a lot of incredible organizations that support the program, specifically Soft Choice, uh, which is a, a growing technology company um, in North America. And they have been able to increase the diversity on their sales teams. Um, by by more than 50% um, with the support of programs like ours. Um, so we're definitely seeing in tremendous results. And, um, you know, we're just really proud and, of the, the work that we're doing. We still have a lot, a lot of ways to go, but, um, and, and we don't just run them here in Canada. We're starting to run them in the U.S. as well. We're definitely seeing uh, a, a vast improvement. And um, we actually just launched another new program under the bootcamp banner, which is first-time manager. Um, so becoming a first-time manager, because now we're starting to see, you know, women who took the program years ago now move into leadership positions or um, are, are high potential to move into leadership positions. So we just launched a new program this year. So that's really exciting. And Kim, you're one step ahead of me, which is probably no surprise, but you mentioned the idea of the original recruitment process, you know, 20% of these um, 
positions are held by women in tech sales, but then that filters up to leadership. So then there's less and less as you sort of move up the, the corporate ladder or the sales ladder. And what I find fascinating about this type of work is training women to get into these jobs, which then the work continues, as you just mentioned, the new programs. So you're dressing, you know, adding skills as um, women move up the career ladder, but also the idea that this work continues, that if you can get them in, even at the ground floor to start these careers or laterally from other sales positions, you're now building the pipeline for leadership. And that, that idea of training, education, and innovative ways to do that just doesn't build the, the pipeline at the entry level, but really helps address the leadership and the gender gap in leadership later on in careers. With that said, how do you see the industries of recruitment and sort of professional development? Because you're on both sides of that coin. How do you see them working in tandem? And do you have ideas on ways these industries can better engage with one another to to maximize these returns and to, to build these pipelines and create a more diversified workforce? Here's something that I learned earlier this year that was just shocking, and I I hope I get the statistics right. Um, It was a new report on women in the workforce that came out, I believe, through Indeed. And it showed that I think something along the lines like 80% of women have never asked for a raise or a promotion. If you just think about that for a second, right? Um, But those that do... Uh, are generally very successful in, in a, you know, attaining that. But if you think about 80%, so um, I, I hope this answers your question, but I think one of the things that we need more of is sponsorship in organizations, right? We need um, either programs or leadership training um, for, for managers to be able to spot talent on their teams, other teams, and, you know, and help develop and provide resources um, to to sponsor more women, you know, when they're not in the room um, into, you know, promotions or lateral moves or whatever the, the case might be. So I think that that's, that's, a, that's a big one. Um, and that can be programmatic, it can be systematic. Uh, but I do think that organizations need to think more strategically about sponsorship because if you just think about 80 percent of women in your organization are not going to put their hand up potentially not put their hand up for a promotion then um we need some other way to 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 tap them on the shoulder so that's number one and and i that's i have that own my own experience early in my career somebody tapped me on the shoulder and said why are you not for this position and i said well i'm not qualified and i've only been at the company for less than six months And, um, you know, two weeks later, I became the director and my career took off like a hockey stick um, in a direction that I had never um, had the confidence in in myself. So we need more of that. Um, But I think, you know, one of my favorite things that I have come across this year, and I think you would appreciate this and you're probably doing similar things, Emily, is um, a friend of mine started up a company called Grow Together. um, And they have a program called Growth circles. And basically, it's a cohort within an organization um, of women who get together monthly for peer to peer mentorship. And it's facilitated 
um, and there's, you know, a program around it. Um, so people are held accountable month over month and, uh, and it's generally a 12 month program. And so I think programs like that, anything that's around sponsorship or mentorship for women within your organizations is going to do a few things. Number one, you're going to help those women and their cross functional, like networking within their own organization. They're going to develop confidence, skills, et cetera. Uh, but you're also going to retain them. So I think there's just multitudes of benefits. And, and could you imagine if you were um, a, a tapped on the shoulder to join a, a growth circle within your organization, I would imagine any of the women listening to this podcast, like you'd have me for 12 months because I would want to see how that plays out. So I think if organizations are thinking like leadership training, development programs, absolutely must haves. But I think sponsorship and mentorship is the key to professional development and retention of more women in our organizations. Kim, it's interesting because that's not actually the first time I've heard that on this show. Um, I also am aware that two returnship programs that find the most success um, those that take part in those programs consistently point to mentors and mentorship and engagement with um, peers or managers within the organization who've had similar journeys as part of the reason for their success. They're building their confidence, which is something that we've come back to multiple times um, on today's episode. So, you know, mentorship, creating systematic programs or possibly informal programs through organization, um, I think makes a ton of sense and is not the first time we've heard that. So hopefully the industry will go in that direction. Speaking of where you think the recruiting industry is going or where it should go next, any thoughts on that? Uh, it's a great question. I mean, it's it's a really interesting time to be in recruitment um, with all of the changes that are coming with AI. And we don't know what we don't know. Uh, it's moving so fast. Uh, I think organizations are going to really struggle to better understand how to adapt, uh, what types of new technologies should, should be in play and uh, legislation around that. So I, I don't have all the answers. Um, I, I have you know, maybe some predictions. I'm excited by the future of AI and the impact that it is going to have on recruitment and organizations I, in, in a positive way. Um, but I know that that's not always the most popular opinion, um, but I do think that there are some really interesting and exciting changes that are going to come um, as a result of what is happening in um, artificial intelligence. Some kind of low-hanging fruit there uh, around like, you know, creating job ads and more diverse job ads and things of that nature. But I think it's really going to extend into the full life cycle of recruitment. And I, I think it's going to change the industry for the better. What's next for talent-minded? Like one of the things we are, uh, we've been looking at um, you know, continuing to grow and expand our offerings. So this idea of subscription-based um, recruitment, we're now doing um, more subscription-based like sourcing, subscription-based employer branding. So I see more enablement type of solutions. I always say recruitment is like sales and marketing, just with like a really crappy budget. Uh, but we do borrow and sort of steal from a lot of the innovation and things that are happening in sales, in the sales and marketing sector, and then apply them to recruitment. So 
you see a lot of this like sales enablement and training that is being applied to to uh, sales and marketing. And so I think the same thing is eventually going to happen to recruitment, where we are going to have companies like like ours, where we're going to be providing more agile, kind of, you know, flexible, scalable programs that are focused around enablement. Talent minded, we're, we're, we're hoping to lead the way there. Uh, but I do think, uh, um, you know, enablement solutions, more flexibility, ag- agile, I think it's getting harder to predict workforce plans. Um, I think organizations are starting to understand that recruitment might not be a core competency. Um, so there's a, a, a lot of prediction that companies like ours are going to be kind of the future of recruiting uh, because we we have the best practices and tools and technologies and strategies, whereas organizations are just taking too long to to um, adapt to kind of the new next generation of talent acquisition. For WITS, we're, we're going to continue on our mission, you know, to help uh, companies hire more women in tech sales, like one cohort at a time, and, uh, and hopefully continue to build out programs that promote women um, up through uh, organizations into, the, you know, starting to look at closing in on that leadership gap, as you say. And so, and we hope to expand, you know, across not just Canada, but in, you know, more, more deeply into to the U.S. with our boot camp as well. Well, Kim, we're excited to be building this plane with you as after we've all jumped off the cliff. Um, is there anything here that we, we didn't cover today that you'd want to address or want to share? I just think overall, I think, you know, organizations... Um, I just like to say it's like you need to think about your hiring process like any other critical process in your organization. It's not simply just another, you know, sub function of HR. It is one of the most strategic elements of your organization. And I find oftentimes organizations don't look at recruitment necessarily with that lens. That's why we started Talent Minded to try to close that critical thinking gap. But um, I would encourage organizations um, to just maybe start there uh, and, and, you know, it, and it's a process. It doesn't happen overnight. It takes time. Oftentimes there's a lot of um, opinions and, and bias that, you know, mindsets that need to be shifted, but it is possible. Hopefully we've sparked some ideas for, for some of your listeners. Well, we appreciate the opportunity for you to share those opinions and hear your story and as you're talking about talent-minded women in tech sales bootcamp, where can people find out more about your company, about WITS, and all the work that you're doing? www.talentminded.ca. Um, there's a lot of information about who we are and uh, the women in tech sales bootcamp. Uh, you can click on that link as well. It tells you more about either participating in the program Um, when our upcoming events are, or if you're looking to hire from the program, we have uh, packages for our hiring partners available there as well. Connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm a very active LinkedIn uh, user. And so I'm more than happy to connect with people uh, on any topic, starting a business, women in tech, recruitment. I'm more than happy to share any insights if if people want to reach out so I can always be found on uh, LinkedIn. Kim, I will make sure to put all of that information in the description of today's podcast. Thank you so much for joining the Hurdle Right podcast. Thanks for having me, Emily. I appreciate it. Again, I'm Emily Advani. Tune in next time as we try to answer what is the minimum return we expect from the investment in ourselves and one another.